This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Take a Man Podcast. Greg Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you. All right, let's wrap up a couple of other like offensive things and then then pop into the defense a little bit. Um, the one area that's gotten, I think, fairly consistent praise is the run game. Now, yeah. it is training camp, but I trust your eye on this more than anything we could possibly see from the sidelines uh, in our one watch from the world's worst angles. Uh, but, you know, the results seem to be there. Uh, but what, I mean, what have you seen in the run game and do you think it's stuff that by your experience can translate into the regular season yeah i mean i really do i'm i've been really impressed and it's like it's kind of changed my um philosophy after watching this about what it takes to cultivate a good run game you know i used to be a believer you got to have the pads on you got to have balance on you got to be hitting guys they didn't do that all off season and then they came in what was that two fridays ago now about a week ago and they came out and like put the gauntlet down from a run game standpoint and really did an excellent job and i think that has just continued and, you know, everyone talks about nine on seven, how the defense is looking good in nine on seven. Like, that's a defensive drill. So in right. that drill and those drills, I'm looking for more combinations and how those guys and how they sync. And then, again, like the kind of relationships between the offensive linemen and the physical approach and the physical mindset. And when you watch that period specifically, it's it's pretty impressive. I think, I think it's pretty impressive where they're at from a run game standpoint. And I think... Um, you know, like there's, they, they have a whole bunch. We can't really talk too much schematically about what they're doing because of their media, the media agreement with the team. But they're 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 doing kind of multiple different types of runs stylistically. You know, they've obviously got a little RPO in there, which everybody they were going to do. And I actually think those are like their least efficient looking runs, but because guys are unblocked. You know, like in an RPO, you got to read one guy. But on the runs where everyone's blocked, guys seem to know where the targets are going. They're creating great movements against a very good defensive front. Um, and, and I, I think, I think it's a, something that they're going to be able to hang their hat on. And it's funny, like, and I mentioned this before, and I'm going to say it again, as they've gotten better at blocking those runs, the pass protection and the physicality and the pass protection is getting better. And I think that like, when you look at that first offensive line right now, especially, and we should probably talk about this, this should be its own thing, but like with Chris Paul coming to that lineup, that starting five is starting to look like a really nice group. You know, Cosme is occasionally losing to Deron Payne, but like in the one-on-one settings, he's doing a great job. He's he's blocking well. I think he's going to keep continue to progress. You feel good about him. Wiley's actually, I think, done a really nice job improving on some of like the the power bull rush stuff that I was worried about early. It's not perfect, but it's definitely getting better. Gates is a big physical son of a gun. Chris Paul might be the strongest dude on the team. 
like when he puts his hands on people, he's in positions that aren't very like leveraged, advantaged. You know, he's kind of tall or whatever. And he's able just to kind of lift, like lift John Allen out of a spot. And when he's working with Leno, like they're able to create some tremendous movement. So I, I think that starting five, all of a sudden, you know, you add John Bates is kind of that extension of the offensive line is, is looking pretty, pretty good. I mean, you know, like it's, it's just to me, it's it's super interesting. It's super interesting to see how far they've come in the last, you know, five or five practices or so. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, but I feel like I know the answer. Like, is is the position battle over at left guard? Like, is Chris Paul already the starter? Um, I know that Sadiq. Like, I don't know that Ron's going to say that yet because Sadiq is still coming back from injury and he's still playing some. I think today he was back out there and had a couple reps with the ones, but mm-hmm. like largely it was Paul. Um, and to see the difference is like the evidence is there. Like, I, I just don't yeah. know how based off availability and based off what you actually see when they're out there, how you possibly go back to Sadiq at this point. Cause it's, it's also not like Sadiq is ba- is sitting on some resume. The yeah. only thing Sadiq has over Chris Paul is draft position. Like they yeah. used the third rounder on him, but that was a long time ago at this point. And He's never, like, despite getting the opportunities you get as being a third-round pick, he's never actually been able to stay on the field. And when he's been on the field, he's been very, very inconsistent. So he doesn't have a lot of experience. The The draft pick, you know, resource allocation, you know, argument is, is I would say, expired. Yeah. And at that point, like, what, what reason would there be to not start Chris Paul? Yeah, after watching him since Sadiq's calf injury, I, I don't have a lot of reason why I would go with Sadiq. I think Sadiq's maybe a better athlete, but I think when I look at him, Chris, from like a pass protection standpoint, from like a combination standpoint, you know, he's not he's not the most fleet of foot guy. He's not a bad athlete, but he's not Sadiq's an exceptional athlete in terms of movement skills. But I just think Sadiq is much more or not Sadiq, Chris Paul is much more consistent. Like down to down. Like we talked about early on how Sadiq was having a really hard time consistently even stalemating with John, right? And it was just kind of like John was just creating a ton of pressure. He was winning every third rep, which is not a great ratio for an offensive lineman. And then I thought, well, that, you know, that's, that's just John. Like John would do that to anybody he's practicing against every day. And then Chris comes in and it's, and, and John is still having great practices, but it, it's just gotten so much more quiet. And the pressures, the wins are like more, they look more like NFL wins, which are kind of muddy, right? Chris is fighting, John's fighting. There's a little bit of pressure. Quarterbacks kind of got to shift away from it, but the ball's out as opposed to these like lightning quick wins that Sadiq was giving up to uh, to John like every day. And so I think that that to me, again, like I don't know if it's a big enough sample size. You could make an argument that, hey, Sadiq got him early in training camp, whatever, whatever. But like it's just been way more consistent, way more professional looking when Chris is in there and, you know, they might, they have access to all the meetings. They have access to all this stuff in the film room and maybe Sadiq is doing an excellent job in there. I have no idea. And they feel really comfortable about what he does from a mental standpoint, but at least from practice production, I would say to him, I mean, I'm in Chris Paul's camp right now, you know, in terms of a guy that I think makes this group better. So that's, that's kind of my, my two cents on that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think it's hard to disagree with that. Um, there's no the thing is that people i think need to understand just from a human capital management standpoint is there's no reason to rush to make decisions till you have to make decisions right i realize that makes all of us antsy and there are times where you cross a threshold that like for instance with a starting quarterback where there's such a wide impact on the rest of the team 
if there's indecision there, it can be good to get certainty, right? But on something like a left guard on two guys between two rookie contracts, there's no reason to land the plane prematurely. Right. Like, y- you keep your options open because what happens if you name Chris Paul your starter, like, definitively, right? Like, you do all, you do all the same stuff otherwise. It's just a verbal proclamation, right? But you're, you're giving him all the reps. You're treating him as the starter. But you don't, you know, when you're asked about it, it's like, you know, we're, we're still letting that battle play out. Then you you'd say, all right, he's the starter. He gets hurt or he has a bad week and you're like, oh, I don't know. Going back, like, do you lose Sadiq mentally? Like, there's there's all this, like, psychology that goes into this mm. stuff that just means you don't... And, and and to me, like, it's just don't make a decision before you have to. Um, you know, where you could lose a guy, you could set someone back, whatever. Just keep all your options open. Let it play out. When it gets to the point you have to make a decision based off of, hey, it's week one or, hey, it's the week before and we need to we need to like actually you know make a decision because there's urgency to that then you make the decision and you move forward so i know everyone's in a rush to to know everything but like there's actually not a deadline here yeah i agree and i think that um you know with with chris specifically because because of how raw he was technically last year like i would expect him to look really good the more reps he gets against the defense so if i'm kind of waiting for something for chris if there's any kind of question it would just be how's he going to look in the first preseason game, and then how's he going to look against Baltimore? Like, does yeah. he play with the same consistency against someone that he doesn't see every day and doesn't have a plan for? Because um, you know, uh, you know, you mentioned it's pretty even, and I agree it's pretty even. But Sadiq has at least played significant time as an NFL starter for you know, I'm t- we're talking significant, like three to five games, whatever it is. In his I'll say, I don't know if I would go significant. He's played some, but and but Chris hasn't. You know, he's played one game, sure, in, in a game that doesn't really mean anything. So. You know, there's the experience factor. And again, I, if I, I would be willing to make that proclamation now, just having watched them. But again, I'm not in the meeting room. But if, if there's an argument to wait, it's that you've got two kind of really important data points coming up very quickly. The right. Cleveland game, for example, and then the Baltimore practices. And, and I would imagine Chris is going to do great in both those. And so to me, after that, there wouldn't be any reason not to kind of say, hey, Chris, you know, you've, you've earned this opportunity and you're doing a great job. All right. Uh, defensively, I feel like so much is going well, um, which is great. Anything? I mean, I, I would say the biggest question mark right now is Jamin and what they're doing with him. He seems to be all over the place. Some yeah. with the ones, some with the twos. He's gotten some reps with the threes. Like, I just don't know kind of what's going on there. Um, but let's start with the good stuff. Like, what is what is going well defensively that they are able to show up so consistently that they're executing well, you know, despite – personnel going in and out like it doesn't seem to matter who's out there they're just acting as one good cohesive unit yeah i think let's start with you mentioned jamin can we talk about jamin for a second i think that would be appropriate so jamin on friday and i think on sunday too like he like he's starting he has some splash plays which is something that when he came here i thought would be happening more and so i think that's really nice to see and i think you're seeing him look a little bit better in coverage again his run fits like when he goes like it's like it. It's it's like the classic first round draft pick thing, like when a first round draft pick who was just physically a little bit better than everybody goes. Like you could be watching the DB and it would flash in the corner of your eye, like who the heck was that? And you're like, oh, that's Jamin. And at least for me, when I've been watching the film the past couple of days, like he's done that. So I I, I think that 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 bodes well for him and his development. And again, I it, there's a lot of stuff going on with Jamin, which I'm not going to talk about here, but. Like, sure. I, th- I think from a football standpoint, I like some of the stuff I've seen from him. He's been very physical. Nine on seven, like, 
He's rocking guards. Like he's he's a he's a big physical son of a gun who can run really fast. And so to me, I'm like to see more of those flashes, those kind of big splash plays, to me is something that gets me excited for him and his development. Um, but again, you know, like Khalid Hudson's having doing a great job, especially as a blitzer. Uh, I'd like to see him do a little bit more in nine on seven. But like he's done a great, he, he like he's just continued to do well. Cody again, has been a little bit quiet for my liking. You know, I, I'd kind of like him to show up a little bit more, but he, he seems to be very, very consistent and understands how to take on blocks a little bit better than like Cole Holcomb, for example. So I think mm-hmm. that, I think he'll generally be like a plus in that situation. And then Mayo, like talk about a guy who was born for nine on seven, like dude. that dude lives in nine on seven and he's excellent yeah. at it. So, you know, if, if this, you know, this was 10 years ago, he'd be probably starting for this team, but it's not. You know, so, but I think that's kind of where I'd say that group is at. Then you talked about the uh, the back end, you know, like the kind of what makes this group good. First off, the defensive line's outstanding. Like, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And they seem to be understanding how to rush cohesively a little bit better. Like, past couple of days, like I've seen Montez and John working these TEET games with each other that are, I don't know how you block them, quite frankly, unless you got Trent Williams out there. And, you know, like they just, they're able to get the offensive line on different levels with their power rushes. I think that's awesome. Oh, a little note about Chase. I saw him rushing from like an interior line spot the other day. Good skill set for him to develop, I think, and it lets him get better rushes on the field. Um, but I think that that group's doing well. Chase, I think, is improving as a pass rusher every time I watch him. So that's great. Montez, like at, t- at times, is unblockable. Duran, same thing. Big Phil and John are kind of who they are. You know, and then the depth pieces are doing great. Like Casey, what was it? Was that Friday? Looks like like a varsity rusher, man. Big varsity rushes, making very disruptive plays off of stunts and off of edge pressure. James, same thing. So, like, that group is just – they're playing really well. They, they deserve a ton of credit. Uh, the back end, I think, is where kind of the, you know, the magic is made, so to speak. I think they're just doing a great job with this, this man match, zone match, kind of disguising coverages, guys being on the same page. Like, I don't know what, what, what led to the change, if it's just not having – um, you know, William Jackson, the third back there, but everyone just seems to kind of be seeing the route combinations in the same way. So you don't get any of these like wide open busts. Like there was a, there was a pretty open throw uh, on Sunday to Jahan, Jahan had a couple, but they were in man to man situations and Jahan is running a route against Holmes and Holmes gets basically falls down because the route's so good both times and Jahan's open by 20 yards. That's the only time you see anything like, critically break down. But again, that's a matchup I would expect to favor the offense. Right. And in, in right, normal right. situations, it's just like they see it well, they're playing fast. And I think that's, you've mentioned this a couple of times, Craig, is the speed in the back end with coupled with physical football players. It's a very valuable combination. You see why people run 40s at the combine, right? Because they can just chew up grass in a way that is, um, it makes it hard to make throws and it makes it hard to get yards after the catch. So I think yeah. that, to, that to me is kind of where where the magic is made. And if this defense is going to be a top five group, that group, if that group can kind of go from like good to excellent, I think that's where, where that where that's going to happen. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. 
because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 100%. And, like, if you think of the the quote from Play Callers, spatial Darwinism, right? What's yeah. one way to cover more space? Be fast. Be fast. If, I can get to, if I can get to that spot faster um, or I can cover more ground, like, my, my circle of area that I'm covering is bigger. And that yeah. means there's less open space for the offense. And if you multiply that by like four or five, six DBs. Now there's just not a lot of open space. And so I think that's, and by the way, if you mix it with good anticipation, good say, understanding, yeah. like it's, it's incredible. And guys like Forbes, um, who have this great route recognition, even as a rookie, he hasn't seen anything yet and he's already got it. Wait till he gets some reps under his belt. Um, guys like Cam Curl, guys like Kendall Fuller, yeah. obviously. BSJ's had a great camp sliding in and outside. Um, there's just a yeah. lot of there's just a lot of really quality players that t- and the other thing too is they communicate so well. Um, there's yeah. been so many times like, you know, we can hear uh, Visselmeyer pretty well. Um, he's he's in the, on the back end, the DB's mm-hmm. coach, uh, for those that don't know, and kind of from where he stands on typically the hash closest to us and being behind the defense at a depth that typically a lot of us try to stand at mm. to see from the sideline. Like you can hear him say like, you know, great communication, great call, good switch, good, that good, whatever. Mm. And he's constantly complimenting how the, how the guys are playing together. And you know, there's, there's something to a defensive back unit playing together where even if you are not technically right, you can make each other right. And that's the most important thing. Like, are you right in the end, even if it's not in the way that it was called or you drew it up on the whiteboard? Do you understand how to play off of each other so that if, if someone makes a mistake and covers the flat instead of, you know, the curl, the other guy goes and, and compensates for it. And now everything's covered. So it doesn't really matter. Like, these are the types of things playing together that have been huge bugaboos for this team over the past couple of years. You just had straight up busts and big plays. And we know how valuable big plays are. Uh, you know, to an offense and against a defense and not giving those up, I think will be huge. And I think the other thing, Logan, to kind of tie it all together is how close has Montez been to a 18 sack season the last couple of years? Yeah. But if he had that much more time or John or Duran or, you know, obviously as Chase works back in guys like James, guys like Casey, like there's so many quarterback hits the past couple of years on this team where if the ball could just be held for another tenth of a second, they're sacks. And I think the better coverage is going to lead to more sacks this year, which puts you behind the chains, which then compounds the problem of a great pass rush with a bunch of ball hawks on the back end. And that that is why I think this this team has so much upside in terms of defensive potential is they've got the ingredients to make big plays and some of those big plays are going to generate even bigger plays because the coverage and the rush should marry so well together. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons, another reason you feel really good about it, honestly, is that is that this idea that they're going against a like a like I don't want to say a real offense because that sounds like I'm being you know negative towards Scott, but it's an offense that's a little bit more comprehensive in terms of how it challenges spaces, how it challenges some of the things you're talking about in terms of passing stuff off, the tempo, the protection rules, the chips, slides, the screens, the you know, and so for them to be matching this stuff at a really high level versus this offense that has, I think. I would say a little bit more down-to-down complexity than you've seen. Um, to me, makes this feel a little bit more real than it's felt in years past. Because, like you know, I've covered the team now for two years, and one of the things that consistently comes up is like, well, excuse me, is um, is the offense doesn't look good. The offense doesn't look like it's ready to go. And then now, when you watch this offense, the offense to me 
is looks good, like it just conceptually looks good. You know, the execution on a day-to-day isn't there necessarily, but conceptually it's right. And so when you see them passing off really intricate concepts and when you see the rush getting home versus kind of, you know, this slide with the chip help and the back, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, like, like that, that is going to happen in a game. That's going to happen in real life. And that's going to be a sack or that's going to be a t- batted ball or that's going to be a tight window throw. And hopefully the guy can knock it out. So I think, again, like it's it's the defense doing stuff, but it's also the fact that they're going in something that has a little bit more complexity to it. And they're also doing that. So, Yeah, and then we'll see, obviously, how they do against yeah. a completely different offense in Baltimore. Uh, obviously, one uh, in Cleveland on Friday.